This is Your Own Best Company, a podcast and community for creative people who value and enjoy working alone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Your Own Best Company. Uh, My name is Franklin Taggart, and this podcast was my idea. Um, This is a podcast that's really directed to people who enjoy working alone. And um, my guest today is someone who has been a solopreneur for a record for uh, 30 years, right? (laughs) Tracy Burnett left a corporate uh, job um, 30 years ago and went out on her own and found opportunities as she went um, to help people, you know, jump into the right career or to help people kind of figure out what they were going to do or to help people with their marketing. And she found that she was being more and more led to help uh, women coaches uh, with the marketing uh, challenges that they had. And in more recent years, she has become a go-to expert on LinkedIn. So we've got a lot to talk about today, but first I'll just say welcome, Tracy. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really glad to be here and share the knowledge I've got. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, Before we jump into the LinkedIn, can you tell me a little bit about what happened that that led to your becoming an entrepreneur? Because it, it wasn't necessarily an intentional thing on your part. It was something that just kind of happened. And what precipitated it? Yeah, so I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs, not by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I've been working in corporate and then I was working with a smaller uh, global design agency and that agency uh, went belly up um, and uh, one Monday, bank holiday Monday in England, I there was a bike arrived at the door with all the paperwork. So um, there I was, uh, just sold my house actually, so I was due to move out in a couple of weeks. I, 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 and I just finished a relationship, so no relationship, no house, no job. <clears throat> so it's pretty blank screen and uh, bank canvas. So it was a bit of shock. Uh, and this company was very well respected. And so a number of us got headhunted. And I thought, do I want to go back into this higher powered, high powered job um, in the city of London? And I really wasn't that happy about it. So uh, a friend of mine at the time who was self-employed just said, well, you know, why don't you start up uh, your own business? And I thought, "Mm, well, maybe. And he had a lovely flat in a nice part of London and drove around in a Porsche 911. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I could do that too. Um, But it was the middle of a recession. So again, it was fairly scary But because I was 30 years younger than I am now. Obviously, uh, you know, I was young and naive and had no children and no ties. So I had nothing to lose. So that's how I ended up being (laughs) self-employed. Now, for a lot of people who go into their own entrepreneurship, their own line of work, their own business, after being in corporate for for a a few years most of them don't experience the level of a success that you did as quickly as you did can Mm. you talk a little bit about what were the things that lent themselves to your success relatively quickly 
Yeah, it was really quick. I mean, this is, as I say, 30 years ago, and I turned over the equivalent of nearly half a million dollars in two years. Yeah. And it's and I used a process really that I still use today. Obviously, it's been refined over, over time. But I had, bearing in mind that it was a recession, bear in mind that I had corporate experience. I was fairly high up in marketing departments of like Unilever and um, Barclays Bank. Um, And what I'd seen in this design consultancy was there was a lot of high level creatives, award-winning, you know, design directors, creatives, designers, who had thought in the eighties when it was, the market was booming and the level of fees that this company was charging, they all thought, hey, you know, we can do this for ourselves. So what had happened was, is they probably partnered up or, you know, they, they got a small team together. They started a small design agency and everything was going great guns until the recession of the, you know, late 80s, early 90s hit. And I sort of recognized that. And I recognized the fact that I had been a director of a small, well, so say small, it was a subsidiary of a global design consultancy that had a very good name that any designer in the UK would have, certainly in the UK would have known. Um, I had that corporate experience and I had obviously the passion and actually the drive because I had no money coming in when I first started. So, um, so, and, and that's just the start of the of, of that, that was the start of my journey really having the right market the right message and the right background and being able to communicate all of that um to help them get into corporate um cor- you know corporate companies corporate marketing departments it's just amazing it's like you found your niche and you were able to run with it really quickly um yeah, I think that's, I think that is my, that is, that is one of my superpowers, I think, because I can see it with clients, even, you know, obviously I've done it a million and one times since, yeah. but, you know, I can see things quite clearly because I, I it's easier when it's not for yourself, mind you, because, you know, when I do business revamps now, I always have somebody to help because it's always useful to have somebody looking in from the inside. Now, what kind of clients are you working with now? Okay, so now I work with uh, coaches and consultants, um, small startups. Uh, By and large, they're um, women. Um, I do have some men clients. Um, They're in Europe and America in the main. Okay. And they're all basically very ambitious people. They want to grow their businesses to have your own business and be your own company for 30 years. Can you talk to us a little bit about what, what have been the secrets to your longevity? Because a lot of businesses, small businesses last three to five years. And then they say, you know, this isn't what I thought I, what I thought it would be. I mean, I probably need to try something else or go back to being employed or whatever. The, 30 years of longevity in a solopreneurship is really, I think it's extraordinary. Can you tell us a little bit about what advice you would give to people in terms of how, how have you been able to make that happen? I think 
that's that's multifaceted really obviously in the beginning you've got the success so you you know you're you're riding that wave um so that obviously helps if you're successful because you just want to carry on doing what makes you feel good mm-hmm. um in that period i've had children as well um so I just never saw myself being a full-time mother. So I wanted to keep the business going for that. Um, So again, you know, I mean, that's a drive thing as well. And then at one point I was a single mom um, and I did consider getting a job, but the sort of level of job that I was going to get would a would have taken me to the nearest city, which was probably at least an hour away. Yeah. Then it would have been long hours uh, because, you know, certainly at that time when you know working long and hard was more fashionable than it is now. Um, it would have taken me away from the family home for twelve hours a day. Um, so the drive there was to keep my business going so that I could be at home. And I did silly hours. I mean, I can remember. You know, I can remember, again, I'm going back quite a few years, but when my children were very little, there was no, you know, internet or anything like that. So if I had a proposal to get out, I would write, the, I'd put the kids to bed, write the proposal. I knew that I had a biker turning up at seven o'clock in the morning to take that proposal off to, off to London. Or, you know, so I did stupid things like that. Or I had a client that who was about three hours away so I used to get up early, feed my baby. The nanny would come in. I would sit in the back of the car. Baby would sit in the front of the car. She'd drive us up to a meeting. We'd go to a um, uh, uh, a shopping centre, go to the ladies' toilet there. I would breastfeed my baby. I would put my suit on. She would drive me to the meeting, wait outside, pick me up when I'd finished, go back to the shopping centre, put my mummy clothes back on, feed the baby, and we'd do the same in reverse. So mad, mad, mad things that I do. (laughs) I could go on, but those, you know, those two probably suffice, given we haven't got all day. Well, Um, you should collect a book of those stories by themselves, I think. Yeah, maybe. Uh, And I think, you know, know, once you've been self-employed for a while, you're just not employable. Yeah. Yeah, because there were times when to go and get a job just seemed like an attractive proposition. But I, I, I just, I never did it. I think I went for an interview once actually, and I just felt like a total fish out of water because I was sort of looking at that business thinking, oh, we could do this and we could do that and that could change. And, you know, it was, I was just looking at it through a totally different lens. Right. <laughs> What's different about your LinkedIn approach from all of these other marketing classes that are out there? Um, well, I, I, I've got this three-step process and it's really, it goes back to the success I had in, in the early days, um, which I've drawn on and obviously built on from there. But I just think there's, there's more than one thing, you know, one thing that's going to make you a success. And so my three-step process is that first of all, you need an unshakable business foundation. So that means you need a, a, you know, a narrow target audience. You need to really understand your market, what their pains are, what their challenges are, what language they use. 
no guessing you need to know from the horse's mouth Mm -hmm. you need to have what i call a client magnetizing message so as soon as somebody reads that message or a derivative of that message they think yeah that's me Uh, and you need to get your products and pricing right so that's you know once you've done that that's your unshakable business foundation and then you can go out onto LinkedIn or any other platform, really, or email, whatever. And you know, with that, with you know, armed with those tools, and you can you can do your LinkedIn profile. That will all be on message. All your content's going to be on message, and all your you know outreach in terms of new connections and direct messaging is 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 spot on as well. Yeah. So so it's the unshakable business foundation, it's the visibility and credibility part, which is you know knowing exactly how to use LinkedIn and how to get to your audience. And then there's no point in doing those first two steps unless you've got the third step, which is to maximize your sales. So the visibility and credibility part is going to bring you the the meetings get them in your calendar but you can have as i did actually one client when i first started um doing linkedin my first client she got 30 uh, meetings in the first month and i thought she was just gonna be over the moon because she was gonna get so much business and so once we had a catch-up she she told me that she'd got nothing at all and just her sales skills were you know literally next zero um so anyway that's that's a longer story but so so you need all three pieces in place and that's why these gurus that just say to you you know you're going to be turning over a million pounds a month and swinging from a hammock in the caribbean if you just take my course on how to do a webinar or how to sell on a webinar or how to do a successful facebook ad campaign it's all a load of BS, to be quite yeah. honest. With all of that said, uh, I'll make sure that I heard the three things correctly. That you know the audience that you're trying to reach, that you're really clear on that, that you have a really, really good message to offer them that is going to, you know, really bring them in. And then the third thing is that you just need to have your sales game together. Is that what I'm hearing correctly? Yeah, so, so you so you need to get clear on your market, have a tight niche, have an avatar. You, I, t- I, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, I know all this," <laughs> but actually, when you dig deep, it can be so much better. And then, in terms of language you use, which I'm quite adamant about, that not only do you have to deeply understand their problems and understand what their dreams and goals are, but you need to understand how they express them and the words and the language that they use. So you need to get inside their heads. So I regularly research my audience yeah, because uh, I want to know what they say, because what I say, what I say to myself is, 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 is not going to be the same as what they say. So how I always talk to my clients about it is to say, what are your clients saying to themselves when they're laying in bed worrying about their life or their business? Yeah. And, you know, if you research and talk to your ideal avatar, then you're going to get those answers directly. And it is surprising what comes up. Yeah, the the message really starts before the Google search, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like you really want to get into the room where they are right before the Google search happens and find out what's going on there. 
Exactly. And I think once you, you know, this is a process and it is a step-by-step process. You can't take it out of, out of, out of order really, because once you know about the, you know, once you know who your avatar is, let's use that for shorthand, then, you know, you know how to create what I call a client magnetizing marketing message because you're using their language. You're talking about the you know main challenges they have and, and where they want to go, where they want to be. So they really need to resonate with that message. So, that, you know, because you're going to have that or derivative of that, you know, everywhere online and, um, you know, you need to live it and breathe it. So it needs to resonate and it needs to compel them to take action. Yeah. Yeah. Before we go into the steps that you're, that you've put together, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, There's been a growing trend and it happens now to me several times a week. And I can tell that somebody's just done a search on LinkedIn, probably in the sales uh, the sales. Do you know okay, where I'm going so. with this? Yeah, I do actually, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I can guess. It happens several times a week now that I get um, a new connection request. Uh-huh. They don't know me from Adam. They've done some kind of automated search through the through the LinkedIn sales tool. And mm-hmm. because I have the word coach in my title and description, um they assume that I'm their ideal client. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so immediately I get a message from them after I've accepted the connection, like within minutes, I get a connection from them or a a direct message from them that is a blatant pitch for a product. And the question that I always circle back with is, what makes you think that I'm your ideal client? And I, I very rarely get any answers but I'm, I'm sure that a lot of those are bots anyway, but I'm, I'm a little bit curious about how you feel about, about that particular approach to LinkedIn marketing. I, yeah, I disagree with it. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, I, I, I don't want to pitch. I wouldn't do it for one, for one reason, which is I don't want to work with just anybody. I want to see the, you know, I want to look into their eyes and I want to know what their issues are before I, you know, and whether or not I can help them before I start pitching them an offer. I don't even know whether that offer's right. So it's, this is what I mean about having the, you know, it's not, you know, LinkedIn isn't just about getting leads at any cost and, you know, and using automation. That's totally the wrong way of doing it. And there's a real kickback against that. In fact, so much so I can send a very innocuous message to somebody um, you know, I could, the connection message might be, uh, you know, hey, I, um, I I post on LinkedIn three or four times a week with um, advice and tips on LinkedIn marketing and marketing in general, and I'd love to have your connection. So, if you're interested in seeing that, you know, and I'd be interested in seeing your content. I mean, I haven't pitched them anything. I've just said I'm interested in starting a relationship. I have something that you might find useful and I'd like to see your content and and uh, interact on that. And then I might get a message back from somebody saying, I'm okay for the minute, thanks very much. I don't need any LinkedIn marketing. So, I mean, that's like, hello, I did not pitch you anything. I didn't mention anything. Yeah. So I think that just, uh, you know, maybe I get one of those every two weeks. Yeah. 
Um, and so I just send a very polite message back. Um, and sometimes like, that happened a couple of weeks ago where I sent a very nice message back and the person actually apologised and just said, look, I'm going through a really hard time at the moment. And we ended up having quite a few messages <laughs> come forward. Um, so, so I think auto, where you get a message back practically straight away, uh, that's definitely automation. Um, but LinkedIn has sort of tried to clamp down on this because there's so many automation tools and there's so many courses out there that are literally just a few hundred dollars to do where you can learn how to uh, find people and how to message people. Yeah. Uh, and so so what has then happened is very inexperienced people have done this course and then they've gone out to the marketplace and just said, look, I can fill your calendar for, you know, 500 bucks a month or whatever, something stupid. Yeah. Um, and then it just doesn't work. Well, I liked you already and now I like you even more. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so LinkedIn has actually clamped down on this a bit in that they... Yeah. Um, if there's two there's two different sorts of automation there's cloud-based software which is safer and then there's um uh, chrome extensions which are more uh linkedin are more able to track okay. um and what they've done is they've limited the amount of connection requests you can send to 100 a week so if you know that's what you know 20 a day is that yeah. right five to ten yeah my math okay. isn't great um so that's 20 a day and so what's the point in using automation if you know if you're going to because anybody can do 20 connection requests a day you know i, I reckon if you're going to do it manually you look you find people you've got a you know you've you've done some sort of search maybe you've got a list and you pick the top 20 people you check out their their profile maybe check out their website um and think Am I interested in connecting with them? And then you craft a very, very short connection message. Probably takes five minutes at the outside. So, you know, in an hour and a half, two hours a day, you could actually send 20 uh, very personalized connection request messages. I I could go there very easily. That's, that's, that's the way I like to do it. it. The connection is really valuable to me. And it's like, I don't want it to be something where people think that it's frivolous. I agree. Yeah. Well, why don't we just jump right in then? Um, you've got several very practical steps here um, to help people make the connections that they want to make and then bring those connections into uh, a client or customer relationship. And it's, uh, you know, as I look at them, they're extraordinarily simple, maybe not mm -hmm. easy, not yeah. easy, but simple. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think one of the things that's really interesting is that these are kind of fundamental to, to every, to every kind of marketing. Um, but you've, you've brought them around so that they're specific to LinkedIn. And I think that that'll be helpful for everyone to know. So why don't you introduce, uh, the steps that you encourage people to take? To use okay. Okay. So we've covered off the first two really, which is get clear on the, on the market and the niche and really specialize. Can so you, and, and before the we go, before we go beyond that though, can you talk a little bit more about the specialization? Because that is something that I'd, I'd like to know more about. 
Okay, so specialization as in the, the target audience, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really makes a difference because uh, let, let's say, for example, you've got your LinkedIn profile and you've got your prime real estate, which is the banner, the and then under your name, you've got a tagline. And then you've got the about section. So what's going to happen is that someone's going to land on your profile and they're going to see the banner. They're going to read whatever's on that. And then they're going to read your tagline. Now, with those, that seconds that you've got to attract that person. So if, for example, you're looking for a career coach, then it would be good if you knew what sort of markets that they worked in. So, for example... You could be a career coach that works with C-suite. Mm-hmm. Or you could just be a, a career coach that works for lead, with leaders. Well, that's pretty general. So then you could be a career coach that works with C-suite. That's getting a bit better. Yeah. Or you could be a career coach who works with you know ambitious leaders, um, uh, C-suite leaders in financial services or in, a, in accountant, uh, accountancy. And so if you're, you are an ambitious C-suite leader that happens to work in financial services, you're more likely to think that person is for me. And you're more likely to read on to their about section or whatever else. Yeah. So I've got one client who there's a heck of a lot of resistance to this, to, to this narrowing down. And so when I work with clients, I have to lead them gently. <laughs> and um, they are always really happy that they've done it, believe me. So um, one particular client, um, she she was nervous about specialising in one sector and she didn't do it for a while. And, you know, I don't sort of push people that hard. Yeah. So I let her just carry on. And then she said, you know, I'm, I am going to bite the bullet. So she's bit, bitten the bullet and automatically she got loads more views on her profile <laughs> and, and more, more appointments. Yeah. And the other reason why you go through this exercise, which can take quite a bit, little bit of time if you, you know, if you're going to do it properly, which of course all my clients do, Um what happens is, is you really sort of get into your own business and you really sort of it gets into your pause and you really understand the, you know, what you're offering, why you're offering it, what your big why is, what your marketing message is, what the value is. You know that person that you want to appeal to as almost as well as you know yourself. So clients, you know, I've got a, a client who's an introvert and it really made a difference to her <clears throat> doing this exercise, not only for the reasons I just stated, but she felt much more confident when she was doing sales calls. So that's, that's really, that, you know, there's an additional value to that. Yeah. So I think to specialize, and the other reason why you would specialize is that it's so much easier to write your website copy or to write newsfeed posts or articles or blog posts, because you know who you're writing to, you know, you know, the same way is that, so, so you've gone on a vacation and then you want to write and tell your 80-year-old father about it and you also want to tell your 12-year-old nephew, you would write about different things in different languages to both those markets, yeah. sorry, to both those people. So why wouldn't you do that with the market? Because otherwise you're going to end up appealing to absolutely nobody. And, and it's so easy to write for people as well because... 
you know, you just, you've gone through that exercise, you know what all their pains are, you know what all their challenges are, you know what their issues are, you know what the, their sort of surrounding life looks like, because if you're work, working with people who are 35 to 55, you pretty much know, know what life stage they're in. Yeah. So it just makes life so much easier, I can't tell you. <laughs> well, it's interesting to me how seamlessly step one leads into step two kind of organically. <laughs> yeah, because once you, and, and this is why I say you can't do this out of order, yeah. because one does lead into the other. So once you, you understand that audience, then you can create a message that they resonate with and, and that compels them to take the next action. So you just combine everything you've, learned up until this point and you just try and put it in a in a short simple statement that just quickly and simply and clearly communicates you know your positioning yeah yeah say more so about that um one of the things that's really interesting is I, I i think one of the goals of a marketing message is to help people experience you in the role that you want them to see like we want them to see you. Like if you were a coach, your marketing message needs to reflect you in that role. Um, it also needs to just capture their situation as best as possible. But can you talk a little bit about what are the what are the components of a magnetic marketing message? Okay, so um, I've got a bit of a um, template, if you like, for that. So okay, it would be something like go from and then that's your pain you know whatever their main pain is what challenge or issue is and then two and then whatever their dream or goal is and then um while or with and then you put the milestone that they're going to achieve and then you put a number out which is let, let me give you an example okay so it would be something like um go from two few leads and clients to having a consistent stream of clients using a, pr a proven effective simple lead generation process without spending money on paid ads or complicated tech or having a big list all right so basically what you what you've got is that you you're describing their starting place you're just yep. describing their desired ending place yeah and then you're you're plugging in your way of getting them from A to B. Yep. That's clear. That's so then, easy, right? Yeah. And, you know, what a lot of people worry about is, you know, certainly my clients, they worry about, you know, they don't want to spend money on ads. You know, generally, they're not really interested in marketing that much. They're not technically orientated. They hate doing anything with the tech side of it. And they've got small lists. Yeah. So it just puts them at ease that, you know, if that was my tagline under my LinkedIn account, then, you know, they would sort of breathe a big sigh of relief because, yes, she understands my problem. I don't have enough clients. Two, she's going to provide me with a consistent stream of clients. Great that she's got a proven, effective and simple process. And great, I don't need to spend any money on ads. I don't need to get involved in tech and I don't have to have a big list. What's not to like? All the above, yeah. <laughs> Very good. So the magnetizing marketing message doesn't need to be complex. It needs to be probably just very clear and direct, sounds like. Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. So you know, when you've 
when you've done that, that's all the what I call the you know that product and pricing would come into that as well. Um, but uh, you know, once you've got that unshakable business foundation, you can you can then very easily revamp your LinkedIn profile. Uh, and LinkedIn give you a, an all star rating if you've completed it sufficiently well. Yeah. So that means you need to complete practically all of the sections um, to get the, that all star rating. But also you need to concentrate on that prime real estate, which is the banner, the tagline, and the about section. So so you know one way of doing it would be um, you know to have a banner that calls in your audience. You know, are you a um, are you an ambitious career coach who doesn't have enough clients? I mean, that's a bit of a crass line, but you get my drift. Yeah. There's somebody looking at your profile and say, yeah, I'm a career coach. Yeah, I'm ambitious. No, I haven't got enough clients. Read on. And then you've got the tagline. And they go, yeah, that definitely sounds like me. Let's read more. So, and then they get into the about section, which now has been pushed down the page a little bit because there's this featured section. But on the featured section where there are little sort of squares of information, if you like, there's little nuggets. If you've got on the featured section, um, you know, your lead magnet and the next one is your, is book a call with me. The first uh, three are visible. So if you've got those two, then they could either get your lead magnet, book a call with you or they read your about section. So, you know, those are the three things really to concentrate on uh, with your profile. I mean, I could go on all day, as you could probably guess. But um, But yeah, what's really interesting is that LinkedIn profiles can get really, really detailed about a lot of different things. And uh, I didn't even know there was a star system. I I had no idea that there was an all-star ranking. Um, for your profile completion. Now, I I'm, I know that I've gotten messages from LinkedIn saying that I need to complete my profile. <laughs> okay, so if you go, just scroll down your profile, you'll see your dashboard. Okay. And on the top right-hand corner of the dashboard, it should st- say All Star. All right. Yeah. I'll take a look. And I probably, since my since I haven't completed my profile, I wonder if I am an All Star. I use LinkedIn yeah, really, all the time, not. you know. But and, and, and the advantage to having an all-star profile is, is that you're more likely to get picked up in search. So remember, just like Google, LinkedIn is a search engine. So if you've got over 500 connections and you've got an all-star profile and you've got the right keywords in there, which are going to be determined by the work that you've previously done, <laughs> then you're more likely to come up in LinkedIn search. And also Google loves LinkedIn. So again, if you've got the right phrases, key phrases, keywords, you're more likely to come up in a Google search too. Wow, very good. So revamping your profile is, is the third step of the ones that we're talking about now. I, I find it interesting that in the banner that, uh, and this is something that I've been kind of working on in other in other areas of my own marketing, is to be a little bit more problem specific in the banner, yeah, uh, rather than solution specific. I think a lot of times we end up, we experts tend to go with the solution first, and the person that on is on the other end still may not even be aware that there's a problem. Yeah. Um, so I like that. Um, and echo my support for that in your banners, especially, um, and somewhat probably in your tagline as well. I would guess. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a number of different uh, strategies that you can you can employ depending on who you are and, and who you're attracting or what you want to promote. So if you're a speaker and want to speak engagements, you might put, you know, certainly you put a picture of you doing a TEDx talk or something on the yeah. on the banner with something appropriate, you know, the world's number one speaker on spiders or whatever you are, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, it will not be that. I, no, it wouldn't be that for me either. <laughs> <laughs> I pick LinkedIn or food. <laughs> there we go. That, that, th those are two specialty areas that I could I could uh, hang with. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the, the next step is one that I think is really crucial, and it may be one of the most difficult for some people, and that is find your target audience. Yeah, that's e that's easy. So so once you've you've done the other three steps, you know, you're you're dressed and ready to go to the party because you've got your LinkedIn profile there that anybody worth their salt is going to check. So so what you do is um, you can promote your link your uh, LinkedIn profile on your blog or on your website or on your email signature. LinkedIn actually give you a little uh, image that you actually can use if you want to do that. Yeah. And then you can obviously do the obvious things, which are the basic search, which is the top left search bar where you just type in. I don't know. We're using career coaches, so career coach. Yeah. Um, and you've got uh, various numbers of fields where you can use to narrow that search. Or you can use Sales Navigator, which gives you even more fields in which to search, which is a paid for service and costs you about $80 a month, something like that. I can't That's, remember in dollars. That seems about right. Yeah. Or um, there's a, if you go to the top or to my network, there is a section called People You May Know. And when that page opens, when uh, the My Network page opens, just scroll down and you'll see people you may know and you can have a quick look through there. Or um, there's a uh, who viewed your profile mm -hmm. feature. Um, so when you're in view profile mode, you can just look for your dashboard and on the left-hand side, uh, it'll be on the left-hand side of that. Okay. Who viewed your profile. Um, you get more people if you're signed up for the premium service like Sales Navigator. You're very limited if you've only got basic. Um, obviously, in the news feed, scroll down in the news feed. Your news feed is going to be determined by the con well, it's, it's going to be made up of the content of your first connections um, and where your first connections have commented on their first connections content. You're going to see that. And um, if you follow any hashtags, then you will likely see the content that has uh, used that hashtag. So that's broadly how your newsfeed gets made up. The, the and interact on people's posts, because if you interact on somebody's post, uh, preferably commenting, then you will get noticed and you can look at the person that's posted the post and also the people that have actually commented on the post. Um, so that's the one way of finding people. And the other great way of finding people is groups. So groups really aren't terribly useful. They're just dead, you know, when you go in there and not, nothing's much is happening. Yeah. But if 
again, using the career coach example, if your market is career coaches, if you go to search and type in career coach and then click groups, you LinkedIn will return a search of all of the groups that have career coach in the title. So, you know, if it's, you know, career coaches in, in financial services, then, and that's happens to be your market, you can click on that. And by definition, who are you going to find in that group? Career coaches in financial services. Pretty obvious, right? Yeah. So the beauty of that is, especially if you've got few connections, so actually let me wind back a bit. So if you say you've got 300 connections, first connections, the pond that you've got to fish in is really their second, you know, their second and third connections or their, or their first and second connections, your second and third connections. Yeah. And so your pond is quite small. So when, you know, LinkedIn don't like you connecting with people outside of your pond, but if you're a member of a group and you're a member of that group, career coaches and financial services, doesn't matter whether they're in the ocean across the other side, you know, you, they allow you to send a connection request. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know that groups on LinkedIn have been go going through kind of an identity crisis over the last little while. And there are some changes in the way that they're used. So there are a lot of people that are, that are still trying to figure it out. Um, although I have to say that my own experience on LinkedIn, that's been the most fruitful place for me to find connections and to find leads, you know, that are relevant to me. So we found our target audience and we've already kind of moved into starting to reach out. Yeah. So, so obviously don't be spammy or salesy. You know, you talking about somebody uh, sending you a sales message as soon as they connect. I mean, yeah. just do not do that. I mean, uh, the best advice I think I can give is just imagine yourself at a face-to-face -face networking event. You wouldn't go up and to a group of people and somebody introduces you and then you say, oh, by the way, I've got this widget. Would you like to buy it? You would yeah. feel a complete and utter idiot. It's crass. Just It's just not appropriate. So what would you do at a networking event? You would work the room. Maybe if the first one, you would work the room. You would, you know, have you know, conversations with a few people, you would sort of make a mental note of they might be a good client, they might be a good partner, I might be able to, you know, offer them some value or to their audience, whatever it is. Yeah. And then you would go back the next week and the next week and the next week and you would build the relationships with those people. So it's just the same on LinkedIn. If you wouldn't do it face-to-face, -face, don't do it on LinkedIn. Yeah. And, and, and offer value to them. You know, be friendly, be polite, ask permission, um, you know, interact on their content. Think about what they, you know, what, you know, you know, give first. Don't ask for something for yourself first. From your own and experience, they, what, how, do you, how do you approach that first contact? You know, yourself, what, what is it that you put out there as a, as a reasonable um kind of a connection and invitation i just show an interest in them or sometimes I, I try and send a bit of a clever message you know something that somebody might smile about something you know because most messages say oh hello i came across your profile in the news feed and i'd really like to connect and you think oh, yeah. yawn, yawn. um 
you know, give them a reason as to why you're connecting. I mean, yeah. you know, what, 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 sometimes you just know that somebody's trying to sell you something. You look at their profile and they say, you know, you know that you're their target audience. So you know, I would. One of the things that hooks me is when somebody can say that they watched a video that I put up or that they read one of my posts and it was meaningful to them, I will be their friend for life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, send a friend, you know, when they accept, just say, you know, or, you know, if you've done a nice uh, connection request message or somebody's asked you to connect, just send a friendly message back, show an interest in them, you know, let them know that you've done a little bit of research. So what I do, again, as I said earlier, I even if somebody asks me to connect, I look at their profile, I look at their content, I will look at their website, and I will think, is this the sort of person that I want to be connected with? Yeah. Can I be a value to them? Will they be a value to me? Do Is there any possibility of, of you know, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine sort of thing. Could be a collaboration, could be somebody that my clients might be interested in um, collectively, or it could be something that one of my clients, somebody that one of my clients might be connected with, in which case I might write a message back and say, you know, thanks for connecting and <laughs> personal, and then say, hey, I've got, you know, have you come across you know, this person because I think, you, you know, you would value that connection. So then, you know, at this point, you've started to connect with people. You've started to message people. You've asked a question. Uh, hopefully that's a conversation starter and they've messaged you back. Um, and, and an appropriate, you know, they might say, hey, I'd like to know more about your services, in which case that's great. You can say that's good. You know, you're available next Tuesday at four or whatever, however you handle it. Um, or, or you can, depending on what they say, you might have an article of your own or somebody else's, or you might have a lead magnet or something like that that might be of use. Yeah. So you could offer something like that. I mean, if they get on your mailing list, that's great because it's a LinkedIn, uh, the LinkedIn, what's that connection on LinkedIn? It can be a bit of a bit big black hole unless you, um, <laughs> unless uh, you've got fewer connections. Right. Um, yeah, so if they're on a mailing list, that's really helpful. Um, but you know, you can't ask that sort of question or have some gated content unless you've done a little bit of relationship building in the first place. The the last step that you've that you've put up here <laughs> is the one that I struggle with the most, and that is about posting content. Now you're you're putting a prescription here of Posting content five times a week. Yeah, I'm well, lucky okay. if I can post it one time a week. Okay, so so maybe you know, if you can do it five times a week, Monday to Friday, that's good. But be consistent. So think about what you realistically can do. So I would much rather see somebody put out, you know, a one post and it be absolutely amazing in terms of really good quality, really spot on, really what, what the audience wants to hear, um, than do five mediocre posts. So yeah. it, ideally do some articles. I mean, if you've got a blog, you can take whatever you've posted on the blog and put it on LinkedIn publishing. Um, and as I said before about Google, Google will pick up your articles um, 
more likely to pick up your LinkedIn article than your blog post unless you've got excellent SEO. Yeah. Um, so articles are good. And then once you've written an article, you can you can make a post out of that. So once you've po- as, as you post your article and hit publish, it then gives you an opportunity to write a little bit for a newsfeed post. Yeah. So you can, you know, that the newsfeed post obviously promoting the article. And then from the content of the article, you can take a number of the points out of that and create separate newsfeed posts. That's a, you know, and you could, you could take your, you could do numerous things with your podcast, for example. Um, So again, you know, offer value, tap into their problems. Um, You know, again, that work you've done in the beginning really pays off because you may have made a list of all the challenges and pains and issues that they have. So you know what, you know, what what they want to read about, you know, what they, the problems they're trying to solve. Um, So, you know, if you can, and there's a whole, I do a whole training just on content. So it's just like, there's more to that than, than meets the eye. Um, but yeah, you know, you need to be visible. And then when people do con- do comment or like, you can then pick up on that. You know, often somebody comments and I'll just go into the inbox and I'll say, hey, thanks very much for, you know, commenting on my post today. Because I do really value it. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you know, and I might ask them a question, or I might try and get another conversation going. So I think you know, content, you know, is it it is important. Yeah, what is your favorite uh, content to post personally? Um, oh gosh, it's in terms of let me take it another way. I mean, I don't have necessarily a favorite. Okay. Um, but there's a number of different ways you can do this. You can just do a text post. You can do a text plus an image. You can do a video post. You can put text with that. You can do a poll. You can do a document post you know, where you put a PDF and people scroll through. So I would use all of those. And what I always say to my clients is, is what works for me. So generally what's works best for me are polls uh, which work well for everybody at the moment because LinkedIn's prioritizing them. Right. Or a, a straight newsfeed post, no image. But oh. just, be, just because it works for me doesn't necessarily mean it works for somebody else. Yeah. So the best thing to do is test. And of course, things change all the time. So don't just test once and think, oh, that, that's my, that, that's the one that works for me. So I'm going to do that year in, year out. You know, social media is just a, you know, is a real moving feast. Yeah. So, you know, I'm always testing something. <laughs> um, yeah, so so just take your pick. I mean, the, the document posts are more time-consuming because obviously you have to put the PDF together. Yeah. So it could be, you know, could be a PDF which is just very simple and it just says, you know, the six... Uh, the six things that your LinkedIn profile must have or something like that. But that um, is something then, that is downloadable directly from the, from the post, right? It's something that they can download right there. And yeah. it's something that, that they'll have beyond that one reading. That's a, I'm, you're getting my wheels turning. Yeah. And, and also it increases what LinkedIn called dwell time. Yeah. So the algorithm will push your post further up the feed if uh, the dwell time is good. So dwell time would be how long somebody spends on a post. 
so, uh, looking at a post. So obviously, if they're commenting, they're spending longer. If they're looking through six, eight, 10, 12 pages of a PDF, they're spending time. If they're commenting, they're spending time. Um, so generally, uh, that helps. If it's a video, they'll spend more time. Um, you're going to get less views on a video post because the views are measured differently. So the yeah. views on a newsfeed post is just somebody scrolling past your post. Yeah. Um, if it's a view on a video, somebody has to watch the video for more than three seconds to be classed as a view. So the, even if it's autoplay and even if the sound is off, that still counts as a view? Uh, yeah, it, the sound can be off, but they don't um, autoplay generally. Oh, okay. I don't think mine do. I, I think there's a setting that you can have where videos can autoplay as you scroll past them, but... Um, you've covered so much in a very short amount of time and our time sadly is coming to a close but before we end I'd like to make sure that we bring people's attention to two things your website tracyburnett.com very easy to, to remember and for those who are watching on video it's right there on your screen and has been the whole time um, but Tracy could you tell us also a little bit about the special offer that you have uh, for the ebook that you've created? Yeah, so the three-step process that I talked about, I've basically put that into, into a book and expanded on that a little more. And under each of the steps, I give you an extensive action list of you know what you actually do to, um, to execute each of those steps. So um, you can just click on the link uh, and you will get to that. Or if you uh, would like to have a chat with me, it's just tracyburnett.com forward slash book. And that call is, the agenda for that call really would really be to dig into the, dig into what you've done before, dig into the problems that you're now having and really understand those. Um, and then decide together what the, you know, whether or not you want to sort those problems out. Um, and if you want to sort them out with me or you want to go off and sort them out yourself. So that's the purpose of call number one. Excellent. Well, I, I know that there are a, a lot of people who are listening and watching who can already tell that you're the person that they need to talk to. <clears throat> okay. So the opportunity is right there tracyburnett.com slash book. And um, I'm going to encourage people to go ahead and take you up on that because I think it would be well worth their time to do so. One thing that I wanted to, to bring to light is a webinar. Now, this is time sensitive. Um, this uh, podcast is being released on October 22nd of uh, 2021. And so the dates here are, are kind of important to consider. Uh, but you've got a webinar coming up actually next week. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit of, a little bit about that, Tracy? Yeah, the webinar um, is going to be called How to Use LinkedIn to Fill Your Calendar Without Complicated Tech or Paid for Ads. And it follows really what we've talked about today, but obviously I expand on, on the information that I'm giving. So if you found this podcast um, uh, useful, then you will definitely find the webinar useful. And I'm running it three times, uh, 25th of October, 27th of October, and the 29th of October. 
the link will be on the page here. Um, so you'll be able to register for that really easily. And I will be doing a replay. So um, if you if you miss it, if you're looking at uh, listening to this podcast after the 29th, then just you know, drop me a message on LinkedIn and I will happily send you the replay. Wonderful. We have that to look forward to as well. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, packed, of, packed with practical information and advice that you can execute straight away. All right, great. Even more wonderful information from Tracy. Is there anything that you'd like to say before we're finished, Tracy? Um, no, I think one other key message really would be to whatever you do to measure what you're doing on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a key step because it'll tell you what you need to do to get you where you want to be, which is generally the number of clients or the turnover you want. So, you know, keep a note of how many uh, connections you make each month, how many meetings you get booked, how many offers you make, the number of sales you get, the average value of the sales. And once you know those figures, you know what effort you need to take each month to get you to the levels of turnover or new clients that you want. Very good. Keep track of what's happening. Yeah. All right. Tracy, this has been really, really wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm both... Uh, personally just happy to meet you um, but <laughs> but you've really you've delivered such um, a valuable perspective here on how to use LinkedIn and uh, my only hope now is that your phone schedule is going to fill up really quickly <laughs> <laughs> yes um, yeah that's the name of the game keep the calls coming yeah yeah well speaking to people i did a post a couple of days uh, last week i think just saying what's the most important word in business and it's hello because unless you're saying hello to people then you're not going to get anywhere i love it <laughs> yeah. so to the listeners i just appreciate you being here and um uh, please uh, reach out to, to tracy and show her some love uh, I know that you can find her and follow her on LinkedIn and uh, her feed is chock full of wonderful information, great connection. Um, so again, Tracy, thank you so much for being my guest. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for your time. People who work alone aren't antisocial, at least not most of us. If people think you're weird because you don't want to grow a big company and you'd rather spend most of your time working by yourself, you're just hanging around the wrong people. Your own best company has a Facebook group that you're invited to join right now. We understand the urge to close the door, let your imagination run wild, and stay there until your creative impulse runs its course. We also understand the features and challenges that go along with running a business to support our solo flight lifestyles. Joining the group is free and it's as easy as clicking the link in the channel description. So go there now and just join the group. Want to hear more where this came from? Subscribe to your own best company on your favorite podcast app or on the Franklin Taggart Coaching and Consulting YouTube channel. To get in touch with Franklin, send an email to yobc at franklintaggart.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.